Welcome to the Full Dive Gaming Podcast, bringing you a full dive of all the news, discussion, and insights you need for virtual reality gaming. This podcast is brought to you by Asterian Products. If you don't know them, they're a top-selling company. They make AR, VR accessories, and they have something new coming shortly. I'm Jay Bratt, a VR YouTuber and occasionally a streamer, too. <laughs> I'm Nat Bratt, a VR enthusiast who is slightly obsessed with Demio. And I'm Lipnox VR, a Quest YouTuber who finds all the gems on SideQuest. You really do. <laughs> I go hunting for him. If you're new here, our podcast is here to keep you up to date in the VR realm. We answer questions from all of you out there. We talk about some of the latest, greatest, or saddest VR news. And then we discuss what games we've been playing. And also, as a little special treat, I finally got to try the Quest Pro controllers for a while now on the Quest 2. So we'll have a short little Q&A section at the very end of the podcast for those of you interested in that. But we're here on YouTube where your audio platform is for you. And we got questions to answer. First one, Assassin32 asks... How are the layoffs at Meta going to affect VR hardware and software development? If you haven't heard about this, Meta announced they were going to have to lay off a ton of people. They've had a couple of rough years and I don't remember the exact number, but I feel like 11,000 is the number in my head, which is a lot of people. But they did say mo very few of those were coming out of reality labs and it was mostly out of their like human resources type division, which uh, I mean, if you've ever worked at a corporation, you're probably not too sad about hearing that an HR staff is getting slashed. So in Aww. essence, it shouldn't <laughs> affect it. But what do you think? Have you, have you read much about this? I haven't read a lot about it, but I feel like HR can be important. Like I know some people are like, oh, HR, bleh. but they're also the people that are there to help employees and support employees so twitter's like you know getting rid of all of their employees and now <laughs> meta has all these layoffs like who's gonna be next i think for me it seems one of those things that the people they're getting rid of i really don't think we're working on big top-notch games it seems like it's all just people that were maybe doing things that aren't actually beneficial for the business model that they are trying to do right now i know facebook or meta is huge on data collection so I'm wondering if perhaps they kind of had a timeline of how they thought things would go. And since that timeline isn't a reality, they're kind of like, OK, well, we don't need these people anymore. Or perhaps the uses they had for those people just don't exist anymore. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has spent a lot of money to make VR what he wants it to be. And uh, and I think, you know, perhaps he's got some people behind the scenes that are like, you know, we got to cool down the spending a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is going to change anything because I feel like regardless, the tech just keeps getting better anyways. Mm -hmm. And as much as, you know, they're spending a lot of money to invest in that technology to improve it, it, it really it doesn't seem like it's going to be a big deal that these people aren't there. It sucks for those people to lose their job, though, but I, I don't think it's going to change anything games wise or content wise. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those people were working on things that just never even transpired to be anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, and with a lot of the headsets and stuff that are coming, it's kind of like the train has already left the station. You know, they've shown that they have prototypes of all these headsets for coming years and that they're already working on them. So it, it doesn't look like this is going to affect much, although we will get into in the news some other news about Meta and people leaving that could affect it. But we'll save that for the news section. We have another question here from Shafe Dog. I'm not going to read the whole background of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I read over but this. I was like, this is intense. Yeah, check it out. Check out our Q&A section on Discord if you want to see the whole long paragraph of this question. But just getting down to the question itself, Shafedog asks, do you have a VR game that everyone has said was crap, but you find playing it fun and sort of a guilty pleasure? So I'm just going to go first because I asked the question. So my kind of guilty pleasure game that, yes, everyone thinks is dumb and terrible is Cat Lateral Damage. <laughs> it's kind of silly. It's basically you're in, the, you're basically just being a cat. You can scratch like a scratching post. You can sit in a box. You can knock stuff off of counters. And I find it extremely fun and delightful. And I keep trying to get people to play it. And they're like, no. I have a funny story about that game. Uh, I actually bought that game when it first came out for PlayStation 4 before VR was even a thing. <laughs> so when I got PlayStation VR, that was like one of the first games I popped in the headset. And uh, you know what? I, I don't I don't like it as much as you like it, but it definitely is a fun time. I will say, too, like the main gameplay loop is basically you're a cat and you have a time limit. and You have to destroy as many things as possible. And the more things you combo into each other, the better points you get. So it is a fun gameplay loop. Motion sickness wise for one of my first VR games, maybe not the best choice, mm. though. 
<laughs> I never even play it as like an actual game. I just do like the sandbox. Mm-hmm. Thing okay, where I just yeah, that go makes around sense. And yeah. Do so. I don't even care all the points. I just want to be a kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a itch. Scratch the itch for Stray before Stray was a game, but of course mm-hmm. in VR. Uh, a little bit of background for the listeners. Basically, Shafe had said there's another podcast out there. Doesn't know who they are, but they say Res Infinite is great, and he thinks it's crap. So he wanted to know what our what our guilty pleasures were. And I had a hard time thinking about these because I feel like most of the games that I like, it seems like at least we're somewhat well received. But one game that I enjoy is Drive Club VR back on the PlayStation VR mm. with an actual steering wheel. And that's pedals. a good one. And it's really fun, but it got kind of bad publicity at the time because people said it was too arcadey. It's not realistic enough. And I found with everything going on in VR, driving these super high end cars super fast, I kind of liked that, you know, it wasn't like, Super difficult to drive them, like popping in an actual Ferrari and trying to go 200 through a city probably would be. But that was just when you have that wheel in your hands, the immersion you get, and even though it was kind of fuzzy in VR, people didn't like that. You couldn't really see distances. The experience of driving like that in all these high end cars, these convertibles, it was just a blast. So I did that quite a bit back in the day and I need to get that steering wheel back out and try it. Yeah. We got to bust that out. We even have like the stick shift thing and the mm-hmm. like pedals and stuff. Fancy. That was really fun. Yeah. Well, I will say like the blurriness in Drive Club was exactly the same when I played Gran Turismo. So I don't even think mm. it was fair to like be too yeah. harsh on them. It just seemed like racing games in general for VR take a lot more power. But uh, I don't know if this is completely widely hated because it seems to have gotten like so many more updates and just it seems to get decent sales. But I know when I was on PlayStation VR, I always got ridiculed for loving Drunken Bar Fight. And <laughs> Drunken Bar Fight is so stupid. Drunken Bar Fight is so stupid, but when you put on the headset and that's one of your first games, just throwing random objects and punching people in hilarious ragdoll is just the ultimate guilty pleasure. And uh, I think it fits the question perfectly to say that one. That's a fun one. That's a good one for like parties. Yeah. Like rotate out all the people they can. I think on PlayStation VR, you can actually even uh, use the regular controllers and control the people in the bar to fight with the person that's in VR. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's it's a fun party game, even if it's ridiculous. It was kind of like Blade and Sorcery before we had Blade and Sorcery. Obviously, it didn't have Mm. quite the same weapons, but had that same ragdoll. You smack someone with a bar stool and knock them off the roof. Just a fun pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So Assassin32 has another question, and he says, how will flat screen to VR mods impact the VR industry? And he gives examples Half-Life 2 now in VR, the old Doom games. We've seen all sorts of Dr. Beef kinds of things. So what do you guys think? I think if we're talking like, like if he said specifically Dr. Beef, like it's great. It's good for the VR industry because Dr. Beef brings great mods in. Although if you're talking more like the early days of this, like Dolphin VR that would let you play pretty much any flat game in VR, like that was a way to make people sick. And and the problem was other people who play a lot of VR thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So they'd have a friend come over and be like, you know, what was your what was your favorite childhood game? And then put them in Dolphin VR oh, in that no. game VR and just make them sick as hell, make them feel <laughs> terrible and make them think VR is just awful. So I think that it's really good for the enthusiasts who want to take it a step further and see some of the old games or other things that they want to do. But it, I'm kind of glad that it's not an easy process for the most part, because I don't want these to be the first games new people play in VR, because a yeah. lot of times they're a little rough. They're a little hard on your body and it's there's no quicker way to turn people off to VR are than making them really sick early on and then Very having true. that hard to play again yeah i well, still that, that need honestly... to go in vr chat and check out the spiral world <laughs> it's i think i think i think jay even included a clip of it in the video i watched the uh, last episode you guys missed it there's there's some footage I, of spyro in vr chat i was but, not paying uh, that much I, attention <laughs> missing out but i will i will say with this question one thing that uh, i kind of think about is you know, some official ports too. when we saw Skyrim come to VR, there was a lot of elements that were a little bit janky and it was not a great title to show people first time in VR. And, you know, I I think, you know, in in a lot of ways that taking a game that works perfectly fine as a non VR game, like let's say Resident Evil 4, when they did that port and they put all the time into it, it's amazing. But I don't like these, like you said, these quick things. I tried to get into Vorpex and I just really did not enjoy Vorpex at all. And and Vorpex is a tool to basically turn a significant amount of flat screen games into sort of VR-ish kind of thing. Uh, it sort of messes with the controls and messes with the, like the graphics thing. 
to sort of give it that VR thing, even though you can't use like two Oculus controllers, independent hands. But, you know, some people have had great success with it. Me, not so much. But I think, you know, going forward, if, you know, if Sony is smart, I think things like the Resident Evil Village thing or the Resident Evil 7, where the game is a VR game and not a VR game, while at the same time and being developed that way, makes the most sense instead of trying to shoehorn VR into old games. That being said, I, I love the old games, so I will always, always want them in VR. But I think for, for the main st- mainstream, you know, audiences, you know, you got a game like uh, uh, High on Life that just came out. A first person shooter. It's got the voice actor from Rick and Morty. And it's the team that did the Accounting Plus. And I think Trover Saves the Universe, or I think it's mm-hmm. called Trover. Squanch Games. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, th- those kind of that kind of game, I'm just like, why, why is this only in non-VR? Like, this would be perfect to have in the VR headset, and maybe it will be coming to that, but I, I definitely feel like that is more what I want to see and less sort of mods, but... Yeah, yeah, I agree there. It's definitely something that it, it's good that there's a modding scene, but we need the big developers with the money and the backing to continue to bring the good old games back in because usually it turns out better. And I, I mean, for most of us, like Doom 3, when it came to VR, I loved it. Like I would love to just get the old games. Not every game needs to be brand new. Never thought of game for VR. Like give us some of the old ones we already know and love also to keep us going while we wait for these new games. True. Well, we have another question here from Jimmy593 asking, uh, I've seen the haptic vest, but when will we see a haptic suit? Is what's out now worth the money? Jay, do you want to take this? So basically, you've got a couple front runners in the industry right now for what's out there now. B Haptics is probably the most well-known one, most well-supported in games, and it actually can even be supported on the Quest standalone now uh, for certain games, which is pretty neat. Then you've got Woozer who is who can be specifically made to do haptics. But if you try to use something like that on the quest or even a sub pack, it'll just use audio cues. So it'll just hear a loud bassy sound and it'll fire sound into your body. I've tried almost all of them. The Wooger, I've tried their strap, but I never tried their vest, which Shave Dog, one of our listeners said the vest is really good. But I will say, first of all, all of these things, you're talking a pretty penny for them. I mean, the cheapest one might be a sub packer of Wooger vest still costing you three or four hundred or even five hundred dollars. Be haptics, you're talking like five hundred to seven hundred dollars. And they do you add another layer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get a couple quest twos. Mm. They do add another layer of immersion. And as like a tactical advantage, if you're a first person shooter competitive player and they they work really well, if they work really well, this can give you an advantage because say you feel a gunshot normally in game, it kind of shows you a hazy like, oh, you got shot from the right, but it's not really quick. But let's say you felt you got shot in your like five o'clock position in your back, you would know turned exactly that way and return fire as fast as possible. So the ideas behind these vests, there is a lot of uses beyond just immersion. That said, for the price they are right now, I'm I'm feeling like wait. Personally, I've tried a lot. I've had a couple and they are cool, but it's another thing to charge. It's another thing to strap yourself into. Like, it's awesome if you're showing VR to tons of people. But if you're going to try and get this thing on every time you play VR, it's going to be a little much. And I think we're definitely a ways off from a full haptic suit, because even now with the vests, they have all these difficulties with having to have them charged, have them synced, have everything working. So a full suit would be just so much more work, so much more money and probably not add that much more immersion. I mean, unless it was really fine tuned, like if a zombie bit my forearm, I felt it exactly there. A haptic suit isn't going to change the game as much as just a really good vest would. Uh, so I know I've done a whole bunch of research into this thing, and there's something called a Tesla suit, and it is your whole <laughs> body, and it has like shocks on all the spots you get touched exactly like Jay is explaining he wants. Last I checked, they were $5,000 American, and only special businesses that were like hugely in the industry could have access to them. It has, you know, some sort of thing in it where you can do like, like full body VR. So it keeps track of your legs and your arms and everything. So it is the the full package if you want that kind of experience. But again, I don't know what kind of compatibility it has for anything. Mm -hmm. I think it works in VR chat and probably Neos VR, but that's probably all you're going to get with that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, that that's where it goes with that. But again, like all these price tags, all these things. And like if I go back to like the VR chat thought, imagine you have leg trackers, foot trackers, arm trackers, wrist trackers, full haptic suit with the arm pad, the knee pad, all you got. Maybe you got an extra like helmet thing. You know, you're going to be sitting there weighing like 
a billion pounds with all these batteries, <laughs> keep all these things charged, and you're gonna be able to play for like two hours. So you need to stick yourself into an outlet again for an hour to be able to play again. So it's just you know, you're gonna be this hulking, just weight of power consumption, probably not good for your health. So if 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 you got the money to do it, and you you know you want to feel like a boss, I've seen some people posting pictures where they're all geared up with the stuff, and I'm like, that's super cool. But I I just don't know. I feel like. When you're spending like an hour putting on all this stuff, it's probably not something I'm going to do very often. There's a couple other factors. One, uh, you better have good air conditioning. And two, you better not be someone who suffers from sudden onset pee syndrome because you're not going to get out of that thing and make it to the bathroom in time. Who knows? Maybe maybe they have a a a pouch. Maybe they have a pouch that opens up (laughs) like the old pajamas did in the back. So you can sit on the toilet. I don't know. But yeah, there's a lot more to think about beyond that. So yeah, it's, I don't think we're picture quite there, but I think it's coming. <laughs> picture a kid in a snowsuit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like Christmas story can't even get his arms down because it's so yeah. bad. That's, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> the full immersion. Well, Block has a friend, had a Quest 2 for almost a year. They had a few, they played entry-level games, Job Simulator, Beat Saber, and even some with full motion like Contractors and RE4. They're past motion sickness. They're totally ready for anything we can throw at them. But now they're finding the headsets collecting dust. What games do we suggest to this person if they want more extensive experiences without any concern for motion sick, any of that? Like, what are basically the most intense games that they're going to get the most out of on Quest that are going to get them back and get that thing off the shelf? What what do you got? Uh, Well, I think without any doubt, a good one to recommend for me is Iron Man. Uh, Mm. But I'm going to talk about that later on. So (laughs) I'm going to go and decide to pick bone lab instead because i think if you are you know this more complex or complex level of vr enthusiasm maybe you're okay with going on and getting mods too and i i really like bone lab i think it's really complicated with how the vr physics work but if you've gone and you've played with all the things you've done all the gimmicky things you know if, if you consider the, the ragdoll ability that drunken bar fight has compared to bone lab it's just it's a whole different world there's literally like an aspect to the game where you can grab a crowbar and hang off like like a line and zip line down. Like if you want to mess with the physics and do all sorts of crazy cool things, you're at that stage of your VR lifespan. I think this I think Bone Lab is just a really cool game. That's that's where I would go for. That's if you want something that's going to be that next level on the, the quest to itself. That's a good one. Uh, I so I have a hard time because I don't play a lot of different games. I get really obsessed with certain games and play those for a long time until I move on to the next one. So I think everyone's gonna know what my recommendation will be, which is DBO. <laughs> because that's called it. I mean, it's not really going into like all the you know physics, mechanics, and all that stuff, but it is just a really fun game that I think will like get you back into the headset. You do have to have at least a couple friends or at least like one friend um, to play <laughs> it with. I mean, you could do the skirmish mode, but um, I think it's more fun if you're playing with friends. So that might make it a little more difficult to get into, but you could practice in the skirmish mode. If you have friends, you can go in like the heroes hangout, which is really fun. Like painting the little figurines and stuff is actually really fun. And it's less annoying than painting figurines in real life because you know if you mess up you can just like erase it (laughs) (laughs) the paint's way cheaper that way too yes much cheaper to do a digital (laughs) painting of ceramics than in real life so yeah there's a lot of different things to do in demio and it's really fun and i think it just kind of gets you back into it yeah even as someone who's played hundreds of hours of demio even playing in single player i it's worth it to me. Like it's, it's really cool. I would say obviously the walking dead saints and sinners one and two are picks that will give you a lot of hours. Plus there's the sequel, which launched with some bugs. They've dropped an update and supposedly that update fixed a lot. But I mean, if you start on one, hopefully by the time you get to two, all those bugs will be ironed out. But a quick mention into the radius was probably the game most recently that I spent hours now. So I think I spent about 30 hours and there was a lot more I could have done. But I'm a person, once I finish a game, I usually move on because I got too many other games to play. But even then, you could take your time playing through it and make it longer. You could finish it and then go back and do all these other side missions and stuff. If As long as you're into us like a survival game, post-apocalyptic, Into the Radius will give you tons of bang for your buck. I knew you'd say that game. I was like, Jay, he's definitely going to say Into the Radius because you, you love that <laughs> game. You put like 30 hours into that game. I was like, whoa, this guy's not, he's not giving up until he gets the credits. Not only that, but I think the 30 hours was in like one month. Like I was, yeah, it was, oh, like it, was a short it was expensive. Time span. Yeah. Uh, so we got another question here from Chills94. 
And he says, I remember one of my buddies mentioned VR having military practicality, which begged the ethical question, should VR be used for torture? And uh, I mean, like, I guess I saw the thing from uh, uh, Lucky Palmer, I guess the guy's name is, that used to work for uh, Oculus, created the Oculus and everything, uh, making a headset that could apparently kill you if, if you died in the game. And I've seen all sorts of weird <laughs> video game things where they like plug in like shock things or things that like hurt you if you get hurt in the game. Uh, oh dear. I, I guess those are things you could do. But I just for for me, I mean, the, the, the only way you could torture me with VR would be to hold the headset in front of me and not let me play it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't see how you're going to be tortured by playing a VR game. But if I mean... If you know, there's always audio or visual things you can torture people with. But I, I honestly, I feel like if anyone's tortured, it's not not being able to play that Quest Pro. <laughs> <laughs> no sharing. Nat torture ethical question. Big big bombs here. Oh man, I, I vote for just not torturing people. How about that? Yeah, that would. Be yeah, great. I like that plan the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in recent years, a lot of studies have found it's completely ineffective. Like, yeah. they think, oh, torturing gets people to confess. People confess to something they've never done to stop the torture. So yeah. there's, there's yeah. really no purpose. I think the military practicality is more in military training, which I think VR is very valuable for, you know, especially if they get something like this. Uh, hang on. Disclaimer, this is not real. This <sighs> is a virtual reality gun stock right here that your Quest 2 fits into. One controller goes up here. And then one controller goes to a glove on your other hand. And if they were to use something like this, this is like modeled after a real M4. It even has like the reload, the this here, the freaking mag drops out. I kind of don't remember how. Just, all just this don't stuff play near an open out. window. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't take this outside. <laughs> this is the battery for it. Oh right man, here that goes in. I mean, if they have something like this, the training simulations could be very realistic. And I would say for that, it does have a lot of military practicality. But yeah, I don't think I think there's I'm sure anyone who has uh, ever dealt with torture on any level knows that the people who are doing it already have thousand year old ways they do it. And we don't need any new ways. So I'm going to go. Although, no. So if we have to torture, maybe <laughs> it would be nice to have VR doing the torture because then at least we won't have people having to do the torture because that also <laughs> harms the people that are torturing people. So oh, wow. I guess that would kind of lessen the impact. I, but let's wow, just not is, torture. It's getting ethical. Let's be done with that. It's, it's, we're protecting the torturer now, not the torturee. Okay. Yeah. Oh my. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna move us on. So, Block had a quick question. What are your overall thoughts on the Quest Pro controllers? What problems have you encountered, and what features make them much better than the Quest Two controllers? We're gonna have a whole dedicated block after the game section, so stick around for that. But we gotta tell you about some VR news, and of course, our sponsor, Asterian Products. I have something on the desk that I would really like to lift up and show to the camera, but I can't Ooh. right now. What? All I can tell you. All I can Jeez. tell you is that Asterian, if you've been interested in getting a beautiful VR headset stand, check them out on Amazon. Use code FULLDIVE10 for 10% off. Aura. Aura. <laughs> so in the VR realm, we got some news. HTC has been teasing us for a while. Speaking of teasing, they have been saying cryptic tweets for months saying that something's coming and go small or go home. Instead of the traditional go big or go home. Well, now finally they've sent an official render actually of the front of this new headset over to the verge and they detailed a bunch of the features. So looking at this headset, it kind of looks like the, the HTC Vive flow. If you remember that the one with the gold lenses, but now instead it's all sleek back. It's got cameras and sensors all over it. They say it's going to have two hours of battery life. Eh. Uh, it's not going to require a PC or phone. It's going to have track controllers. It's also going to have hand tracking. You're going to be able to connect it to a PC if you want to or with a cable or Wi-Fi to play better games. It's going to have four black and white cameras and then it's used one central RGB to recolor the whole scene into full mixed reality color pass through like the Quest Pro has. But they've said it's going to be better than the Quest Pro. They said you're going to be able to look at a laptop screen. You're going to be able to look at your phone and you're going to be able to read everything on it just fine looking through this. And of course, it's going to have a depth sensor, which the Quest Pro had one until the last minute they scrapped that. But a depth sensor means now when you map out your room in a Quest Pro, you have to like trace your desk out and stuff. This thing will see it and maybe be able to just trace your furniture for you. Sweet. We don't know much beyond that. We don't know price, but we they say it's going to weigh the least any headsets weighed on the market. 
but it's going to cost a lot more than like a Quest 2. So I'm guessing this is landing Quest Pro range. And we're going to get the rest of the details at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas next month, which I will actually be at. So I'm going to give you details first thing as soon as I find out. But Lip, HTC was like a biggest name in VR in the beginning. What do you think now? Can they make the comeback with this kind of a headset? I would I would see I super want a nice light headset that is just super easy to throw on, especially for doing like PC VR things, because if the power is just coming from the computer, I don't think the headset needs to weigh that much to give me that level of power to be able to still do that. I just uh, I don't know, like when when they're like, oh, there's going to be games that you don't require anything else. I'm like, so they're going to have their own game store. But how many games are even going to be on this game store? I just it, I, feel, I see I see the vibe flow and it like came out, existed and then was nothing. There's no mention of it at all. And I think we spoke to a developer and he said he got, had like 10 sales or 100 sales total from all the vibe flow things. So could be amazing. I think if you're spending Quest Pro numbers, you're probably just going to be PC VR anyway. I don't know. I'd love to get one, but I don't think I'm going to get one. It'll probably be spendy, I'm sure. But I yeah. I don't know. I guess I just get too excited about things. Maybe I have, maybe I just forget all the times we've been burned by things. But like, this sounds really cool to me. And I really <laughs> like HTC. I, I feel like they are kind of hit and miss with things because I even remember like they had a really awesome phone Back in the day, the HTC One M9 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But, and that was a really good phone, but then they kind of fell off and didn't have anything cool after that. You know, with headsets too, it's like kind of hit or miss. So maybe this is going to be the hit and maybe it'll be really cool. It sounds like some things are comparable to Quest Pro. I like having an actual competitor for Meta. So I guess it's kind of, we'll see what happens, but. I'm definitely excited to hear more about it. And are they going to have it at CES or are they just going to talk more about it? It's going to be revealed, which I imagine means maybe on a stage somewhere they'll have one. Maybe they'll have a test booth. I really hope so. But here's my here's my take basically on the whole thing. It sounds like it's going to one up the Quest Pro in every way, or at least that's their plan. The problem is the Quest Pro is not going to dominate the market. It's too expensive. Yeah. If they wanted to come in and dominate the market, they need to make a Quest 2 competitor that's lighter and better and has all these revolutionary features. But HTC as a company, they're not supported by something like Facebook or Meta. Yeah. They're not supported like Sony. They can't sell these things at a super high loss, subsidize yeah. it, and then come back. So they're go they've for a long time now they've had to stick more to the premium end and that premium price mm -hmm. because they can't afford to make a six hundred dollar headset. So I think this thing might be great. It might be great. Like the Quest Pro is pretty cool, but nobody's going to pay 1500 bucks. You know, yeah. some people, yes, a small niche market, but the general masses, people who are thinking what they're going to get their kids for Christmas aren't even going to have yeah. anything on their radar that's over $1,000. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think at best, this thing could be 1400 bucks, which is because that's kind of where their headsets keep landing. But even then, that's way too much for this to change the whole industry. But for those yeah. premium tier people, this might be a really great headset. I would mm -hmm. love to try one, but mm -hmm. would I buy one? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just a few years away from super light headsets. And yeah, I just feel like I don't want to drop the huge money now and I can get one of the something that's gonna be way better in two years. That's gonna be probably consumer level price point. So it's I just nice <laughs> to see other things going on than just meta. I, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. <about that. laughs> yeah, you almost should buy one just to support competition again. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of money. But if you want VR to keep having competition, maybe buy one. Ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of meta, John Carmack, a VR pioneer and legend, is leaving meta. He was the CTO and then consulting CTO. He's been in the VR industry for about 10 years, been, you know, really backing VR and believing in VR. He started out with Oculus, then went to Facebook slash then meta. And he, in his years at meta, has spoken out against some of these interesting things that meta's done um talking about their inefficiency being a little skeptical about changing their name to meta he sent out a departure letter where he compared meta's operations to a graphics card that is always running at five percent of its capacity <laughs> so he's talking about meta and how they have tons of people and resources but that they're just self-sabotaging they're squandering their efforts who knows maybe maybe they were listening to him a little bit when they were laying off a whole bunch of their employees that maybe weren't that 
necessary. But his his letter really just seemed like he's just so weary of, you know, fighting for all these years, trying to talk to Meta and change things and just not getting anywhere. And he just doesn't have the energy to keep fighting anymore. So this is a really sad thing to hear, especially since he's one of these people that have been, you know, kind of in the pioneering years of VR. Uh, what do we think this means for the VR industry as a whole? Lip? I mean, he's sort of the pioneer of the whole thing. Like, I remember watching videos of, uh, I think it was Doom BFG edition running in VR, PC VR, like way back the original thing. And I remember even thinking like, how do you control? How do you move things? Thinking that, oh, using a mouse and keyboard would be like impossible in VR. And now we're, you know, where we're at now because of, in a large part, he was a big part of that whole advancement for these things to get where they were and to get headway. And Oculus probably never would have gotten the industry support they got if he wasn't on board with the projects. Uh, I think him leaving the company now is probably better for the VR industry than worse because it seems like as much as Meta has spent all this money, there's other there's a whole bunch of companies that are getting into this and you know it's it's gonna get competitive and I'd, I'd rather be seeing John Carmack doing something where he feels like he's being appreciated and he's using his efforts to the best of his capabilities because it sounds in a lot of ways that he's frustrated that they don't listen to him and that he's watching them fail because they didn't listen to him and uh, and I think that his you know his his he's a great smart guy that knows what he's doing put him somewhere that he's going to get used properly. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, obviously our best wishes to John because this it's a huge blow to meta, but to the whole VR industry, it'll, well, it'll only time will tell us. But one problem is he's left and said, he's got his own startup that he's going to spend more time on, but that's keen technologies, which seems to be more of like an online training database that helps companies and corporate trainings and stuff. So he said in the letters, he's leaving his decade with VR insinuating, maybe he's not going to do anything in VR. Although, I would imagine at his level, he probably has some sort of non-competitive clause where if he left meta, there's probably a year or something where he's not really allowed to do anything in VR. So I'm hoping we'll see him return. But he's been a legend even in just the gaming industry itself. He was the co-founder of id Software and worked on games like Doom and Quake, some of the most formative games. So yeah, he's he's left behind a great legacy and he's done a lot. But I do worry as one of those like shining lights of truth at meta, that actually mm-hmm. would speak out like the more you lose that in a company, the worse the company will always yeah. get because you need people that butt heads that challenge each other yeah. and that push each other. You don't want it to be an echo chamber where Mark says, mm-hmm. I want to do this. Everyone says, oh, that's great. That's brilliant. That's the best idea ever. And it just keeps saying that all the way down because then it's just going to be one person's vision instead of people working together. Mm-hmm. I, I'm nervous about meta because of this. Oh, yeah. But again, this makes me excited for other things that are coming out there. Like maybe I I don't think metal will completely go by the wayside, but maybe other competitors will come up more because they don't have their their voice of reason there at meta. And I even I read a couple other things that John has said over, you know, kind of recently And at a developer conference in October, he was talking about how meta employees weren't even using their Quest 2s to like show people VR or demo them because of the bugs that were happening. You know, there's all these updates and charging. And this is something that we saw when we were demoing VR to people at the Animazement conference. It was like, oh man, if you don't have those like Bobo VR battery packs, it's... uh, how are you going to keep all those charged when they don't last very long and the updates and even those we had like four different headsets when we demoed them and or maybe we even had more like we had to like decommission one because it was like dying after a while and some of them could only play like a couple games and other ones they it wouldn't work so uh you know having someone bring up these things and be like hey guys this is not working we need to do better that's definitely going to hurt that company so i i just i hope that this means that we're going to have other competitors come up and give us something better. I guess I'm an optimist. So I hope that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, ultimately, hopefully this is a wake up check to, you know, a reality check yeah. to meta reminding them, hey, you've got to keep hiring people that are innovative and want to do that. And don't yeah. just trust. Don't think that you have all the talent in the door already because you definitely don't. Yeah. So mm-hmm. get more <laughs> on people that are enthusiastic about the future, too. Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just sort of can't just hire the guy that has the great business record. You want the guy that loves what this is and wants to see it 
yes. you know, turn into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So in, in other news, uh, Resident Evil's Village release is stated for February 22nd, which is only a couple months away now, and will include the entirety of its main story in VR. And this is one that I did not play in flat screen because I was like, it's going to come, it's going to come, it's going to come. <laughs> there was definitely periods of time that I was thinking that it wasn't going to come, but, you know, happy to see it is coming. Unfortunately, I do not have a PlayStation 5 or a PlayStation VR 2 pre-order secured. So I uh, I don't know when I'm playing this one, but it looks unbelievable. It's got full use out of the PlayStation VR 2's graphics with 4K HDR display and just with like the eye tracking and everything. This is, is going to look insanity in the headset. Super excited for everyone that gets to try this out on the 22nd. What do you guys think? <laughs> I'm just so excited for PSVR 2. We've been waiting for so long. And it's just, it makes me so excited. It's like renews the excitement for VR because I feel like I've been a little bit in a rut with VR because again, I've been just playing like, okay, I found a game, I'm latching onto it, I'm just going to play that. And with the PSVR 2 coming out and having like all these cool new things and we know like Sony does a great job with things that they come out with and a great job with like using what they have to the, you know, best of its ability. So even not thinking about the games, I'm just excited to try the headset. So I'm definitely can't wait to jump in for sure. Yeah, we uh we had news Resident Evil 8 Village was coming to PSVR 2. We didn't know when. And so now basically they're saying this is launch day title. It's going to be there for you. And this is free DLC. This isn't a separate version you have to buy. You don't have to pay to get this. If you have Resident Evil Village, you've got this game. If you have a PS5 and a PSVR 2. And <laughs> the cool thing there is people right now are like, get on eBay. You can get this game for like 20 bucks right now. You don't have to pay that much even like people did back at launch. And so for me, I am super excited. I held off on playing this and I, everybody said Resident Evil 7 was one of the best PSVR games. I struggled a little bit with it. I thought that having to have the DualShock in my hands didn't quite feel like I wanted it to for VR. And there was times, a lot of people got really sick from the game. There was times where like, I don't know if it was the frame rate got a little rough or what, but there was times where I was like, I don't even get sick in VR. And I was like, I don't feel amazing always playing this Mm. game for, you know, that was probably two or three hours at a time. I probably should have kept it shorter. But I think that they held off with Village for this long because they knew they needed that extra power. They needed that better tracking with PSVR 2. And so they've held off and they've made something that from what people have said from early demos and from what the blogs are saying about, looks like it's going to be really good. Great use of VR. So I can't wait. I got to actually myself, I got to jump on eBay or something and get a copy of this because I don't have one. I didn't buy you it. You so haven't gotten that yet? No. I, I we would just think pre-ordered the PSVR 2. <laughs> it's like $600. Check, uh, check your local uh, pawn shops. Yeah. yeah. Look for the best deal on it. So yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait, but I've been looking forward to PSVR 2 since the day I got the PSVR 1, I think. so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, yay. We got games, of course. We've been playing games to talk about. Mm-hmm. We got to tell you one last time. If you need a VR mat to keep you in the space, keep you from punching your children in the face, check out hysterianproducts.com. <laughs> They've got mats, headset mm-hmm. stands. There's some other stuff going on with another company with them uh, that's moving into the VR stars space that will give you more details as Ooh. that's coming. But code full dive, one word at hysterianproducts.com gets you $5 off any order, $19.99 or more. And after years, years of Iron Man being out on PSVR, which was the only place I played it, Lip, you've been playing it on Quest. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. It's one of my favorite, if not absolute favorite VR games for PlayStation VR and having it on a wireless headset that mm-hmm. legitimately, and this is, I'm going to talk mostly Quest, but it, it feels like it's exactly the same game I played on PlayStation VR visually, which blows my mind. I had base PS4, I wasn't using Pro or anything. But but then the load times that were a huge problem in that system, mm-hmm. virtually non-existent. When you're Iron oh, nice. Man and you're like Tony Stark, you can actually use the analog stick to walk around like a proper VR game. Oh, thank you. Explore the mansion and goes like there's one spot closer to the start of the game. You're looking out at the view of just the sunset. And in the PSVR one, you're stuck to these like basically a cutscene. And this I'm like, oh, I'll go talk to her later. I'm going to go look at the viewpoint. I was just sitting there just being amazed with how good it looked. And I think for me with Iron Man, I love the game already, but this was the quality of life thing where all the little quality of life things they fixed. They didn't really add new content to make it feel like someone was missing out beyond those sort of walking around as Tony Stark. But like 
uh, another thing too, performance wise, there's one of the challenges that's in this like old factory thing. And I remember on PlayStation VR, the frame rate would always dip in that level. And I tried that level in the quest. No, no dips whatsoever. Flawless. Nice. Uh, and then like also too, with the controls, I know that Iron Man was designed for the PlayStation VR controller because it's just the way that the shooting and the, and the jetpack things are all positioned, but it translates perfectly fine on the Oculus controllers. But now, because we're completely wireless, you can totally play this game. Like it, it, You get so much better at this game, not even having to worry about that right stick and just turning around, no cord wrapping around your legs. You just If you need to make a t- quick turn, you just turn your body, you turn your neck, and you can do those tr- time trials really, really fast. And you can literally feel like you are a man that has jetpacks in his hands flying around. And that is like the coolest thing ever. So I, I feel like this is just a must-play game. I love it so so much. And uh, and Jay, you you played the PlayStation VR version. What did what did you think of that? Well, the PlayStation VR version was kind of revered at the time for one in one interesting reason. They built in some predictability algorithms, and the way they designed the game, you could play it turning 360 on PSVR and it would still play fine, which was amazing because everybody knows how to play PlayStation VR. You had to face the camera with all games. You had to not turn and that allowed you the ability to turn freely. But the problem was you still had the cable to deal with. So ultimately, I was always worrying. Am I twisting up my cable? Am I going to trip on something? Am I messing something up? So I always had that in the back of my mind. And then the thing that actually made the game the hardest that like you've talked about here is when you're in the mansion, I was like, why can't I freely move? I have these stupid points I can teleport to from point to point here. Like I want to walk around and look at this stuff up close and yet I'm stuck in these positions. So little things like that kind of hindered the game in my mind. Like I still enjoyed the gameplay, but it was enough of a hindrance that I've got. I don't know. I played several hours of the game, but I didn't finish it and I never ended up finishing it because those little things got in the way. But then once I heard it was coming out on Quest, I was like, this would be the way to play it. Where you're wireless, you're turning, you're free. You can do whatever you want and not worry about it. And now that you've said the quality of life is better, the, it looks just as good, which is shocking because PlayStation 4 base even is more powerful than the Quest 2. That makes me want to yeah. get in and try this again because I'm like, okay, this sounds like the way this game should have been all along. And PlayStation VR did its best. But I think this sounds like the way I want to play it. Plus, I mean, I don't know if anyone else has brought this up, but in a weird sense, you kind of look like Tony Stark does in this game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys see it, but when I'm playing the game, I'm like, that kind of looks like Jay. And like, maybe it's especially when it's the red version of him, the gunsmith character. But I'm like, that, that kind of looks like Jay. I'm so, going to put a side okay. by side yeah. up on the screen you now. Gotta, you got to make a video now. You got to make a gameplay video now. And <laughs> you should just be Tony Stark for Halloween next year. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I Yeah, th- there is something about that in the game. I remember there was some game. I can't remember what it was now coming out, but people were super excited on Reddit because like it was a pretty common name. And people like, that's actually my name. So when I'm in the game, it's going to feel like they're actually talking to me. <laughs> Little things like that make a difference. Yeah, even on PSVR, it was it was an interesting, fun action game. There was times where I felt like the action got a little repetitive and ran a little long. Did you feel that way still playing it on Quest or was the freedom a game changer enough to just make you just go for it? I just think because, you know, you have so many different choices, you can choose to customize your things. You can have different basically have like a main attack and then like your hands turned like there's like this attack and then there's like this attack and you can use between those two things to like have all these different things. You can do the punching, do the ground slams. So I, I at no point felt like I didn't have just a ton of just different arsenal of tools to use. You got the unit beam that comes out of your chest. Uh, so I just, I felt like, you know, there could have been more diversity in enemies. And I will mm-hmm. definitely say that is where question is, you know, there and, and, and the wave like nature of it, where it's more like, here's your level. We're going to keep sending you enemies and story bits as that goes on. There's not really a lot. There's a couple par- parts that are sort of linear based, like moving forward. But most of the time, it's sort of sandbox nature with flying around. But again, like you're, you're, you're Tony Stark, it, you fly around as Iron Man. So it feels proper, proper to what I want from that kind of thing. Uh, and then it's got a great, great, great storyline. One thing I am curious, because I at no point felt this way, because I, I think partially is because I played the demo so much. Do you find the flying difficult at all? Because I know a lot of people online complain about this game. It's too hard. I can't fly. Whew, that's a that's an interesting point because I really didn't think it was very hard. It seemed intuitive because you have a rocket on each hand. You kind of just point the hand the way you want to. And I I do wonder if some of those people, the PlayStation VR was always meant to be played sitting down. 
They always said that. Yeah. And a few games like Batman Arkham or Iron Man might have said in the beginning, hey, this would be better played standing. But that wasn't mm-hmm. what they told you to do from Sony. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if some of those people were sitting because that would be awful. You need to have full yeah. mobility in this game because if you want to fly <laughs> forward, you need to have your hands back behind you blasting those rockets to your backside. And so sitting wouldn't be an option. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I wonder if that's where that came from. <laughs> so yeah i i never had an issue with it but i always i pretty much always stand for vr games and a game like this you've got to be standing you're not gonna be able to sit unless of course you have some sort of reason you have to sit when you game and if that's the case i'd say sit in like a kitchen chair where you can put your arms around you don't sit on the couch because the couch is going to block you too much yeah admittedly you can still turn with the right stick so it it is possible to play the game with while sitting but it's not nearly as enjoyable yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and well, motion sickness wise, I didn't I didn't get any motion sickness, but I usually don't get motion sickness. I still would say that this is sort of expert, you know, experience in VR kind of game. Not your not your first thing to put on the headset and play. And uh, and overall, yeah, it's definitely definitely a yay for me. It's one of my absolute favorite PSVR games. And I was in just jaw drop mode when I saw it was coming up to Quest. I was like, yes, I need to play this again. I have it on the headset that I want to use completely wireless. I could go anywhere in the world and have Iron Man with me. Just <laughs> stash away my backpack to go put on that. That makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's 30 bucks. That's a factor. That's not a premium game price. 40 bucks yeah. is kind of on quest. The premium game price like Walking Dead just came out at 40 bucks. So 30 bucks too. you're getting a lot of game for 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say at least if you are at all a Marvel fan or an Iron Man fan, it's definitely a yay. If you hate Marvel, maybe wait for a sale. But if you don't and you like it at all, you're going to have some cool moments on Avengers Tower and stuff. Nat, Demio has launched its final campaign, the fifth one, the final boss, just a few days ago. But of course, because it came out, we had to have some friends over that night and try to play this campaign first thing. What were your first thoughts as someone who's played quite a bit of Demio, but not a ridiculous amount? Yeah, not a ridiculous amount like you, but still... Still quite a bit. I love the new campaign. It is so cool. I know that it's just always really cool when a new campaign comes out because it's new. But the new character, especially, I played the new character, the Barbarian, and he is a really cool new character. I there was there were hardly any cards that are the same as other people. So he has his own like specialty cards with specialty moves that he has. He has this grappling hook that can be used to move really far or to attack which is really cool he has really high attacks which i love my my favorite hero to play before the barbarian came out was the assassin because the assassin has some really high attacks too but i think the barbarian is now i don't know i feel like it's on the same level for me in the fun factor of just crushing enemies (laughs) I did get a little excited crushing enemies and then like died or almost died a whole bunch of times. So (laughs) I think the barbarian would be better coupled with like maybe having the guardian nearby or something like that. Healer kind of thing. Yes. Yes. I should probably like go a little more in detail because not everyone is obsessed with Demio. I'm trying to piece it all together. (laughs) Well, go ahead. The thing about the barbarian, it has this grappling hook. Like you said, you can throw really far and it pulls you across the map. But that pulls you away from your group. Demio is yeah. a team-based game where you need to have your group with you in case you need to heal each other, revive each yeah. other. Or the Guardians, the tank, you pretty much have the Guardian out there to take the damage first. Yeah. But with the Barbarian, you can run ahead of the group and then end up in a really bad situation because yes. you have no Classic one. Classic Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yes! <laughs> exactly the problem. So... <laughs> Yeah, it it looked really cool. I had to go in and play a little bit by myself with the Barbarian to figure out some of the mechanics because there was some things like it didn't really explain to you what they were. Like you have this empty card in your hand and you have no idea why. That was driving me bonkers. (laughs) Yeah. And so what happens, you figure out later, like there are these oil lamps or ice lamps, things around the map that you can attack that blow up and hurt a a bunch of enemies around them. Well, because the Barbarian has a hook, he can hook that, pull it back and grab it. And it becomes a card now that he can then throw later so that was a really that would have really helped us if we would have known what the heck that was the whole round because that's huge to be able to throw a really powerful lamp to blow up on people Mm -hmm. but the new campaign added all kinds of enemies i don't want to spoil anything for anybody who's wondering but it's beautiful looking it's free if you have demio but if you don't have demio you need to buy it because the price is going to increase next month from 30 to 40 dollars which goes from that kind of line we talked about earlier of you know a not premium game to a premium game 
Yes. With how much they've added, I think it's fair. Oh, oh yeah. And they're going to be adding that versus. Yeah. There's a thing. PVP mode coming where you can like build a stack of cards and your heroes. And then you go up against another player who's looks like they're controlling the monsters actually, or choosing so what kind of monsters to put you up cool. against. Yeah. It's, ah. it's quite the update and it's not over it's yet, so which awesome. is good news because we thought the yes. final campaign, that was going to be the end. And they're yeah, like, okay, not only that, it's coming to PSVR too. It's coming to PS5 flat came out on epic games so as a awesome. flat game it's just going everywhere so mm-hmm. i'm hoping demio will become a household name even outside yeah. of vr as it keeps expanding like this it's so i, good. I had no idea it came flat came out flat too that's crazy yeah. yeah of course it doesn't feel as good but it's yeah. it's a well-made representation and that it gives really you the option is. if your friend only has a pc you can still yeah. play demio with all of them like that's the big deal of that mm-hmm. that's where that's where i'm like hmm i don't know if i can find friends that'll play it in vr but i could definitely find friends that'll uh play it on pc flats right. that's where it might be VR. time it might be time <laughs> Lipnox. you got it on you can get it on your headset and then you can get your girlfriend to play it on the pc with you i don't know if you have exactly. another if you have a ps4 i don't know if it's coming on ps4 but if it does then, you know, young ones can play. This is time. Your channel, like we talked about before, it's time to make it the Demio channel. <laughs> the family that plays Demio. <laughs> hey, the family that plays Demio together stays together. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's the great for team building. Yeah. yeah. That family dynamic, that bonding. Well, Perfect. Lipnox, you've said that you loved your Quest 2. You play it a ton. You're not going to buy the Quest Pro. That's a ridiculous amount of money. And I agree. If I hadn't gotten the sent one, I wouldn't have bought it either. But now the Quest Pro controllers for a $300 upgrade, which sounds like a lot. But let's say your Quest 2 is old. Your controllers are broken. They're going to cost you $150 to replace anyways. Now you can get the Quest Pro controllers and use them on your Quest 2 to kind of upgrade. I got to do it a bunch and test it out. So for you, Lip, someone who like kind of might be in that situation, what would you want to know before you would consider spending that kind of money? So I already have been thinking about it. I'm like, okay, you know, what could this, even from the start, that's one of the things I wanted to know about. Uh, I would say the part that I'm most curious about is what actual improved functionality do these offer? Do you actually notice the difference in the tracking? And are there things that don't work with some games? So first and foremost, I'll talk about the tracking because before they were available on the Quest 2, I was playing them on the Quest Pro and I thought, wow, the tracking is so much better. It's so much more responsive. There's no such thing as a dead spot. And then when I paired it to the Quest 2, I realized that a little bit of the problem with the Quest 2's controller tracking is your processor is already doing so much. It's running the games. It's tracking the controllers. If you're recording, that's a whole nother beast. And so the Quest Pro controllers don't feel quite as amazing on the Quest 2. They still track better. You can still put a controller behind you. It's not going to have a problem. You can have it on a golf club and swing it. It's never going to lose tracking. But like in Beat Saber, where I felt like I was playing on an index again when I was on the Quest Pro, when I went to the Quest 2 and I played Beat Saber, I didn't see the, the controller bounce around at all on me, but it didn't have that like instantaneous movement that it had on the quest pro there was still this like tiny bit of lag when you would swing that you notice on the quest Two if you play it a lot and it just didn't quite give you that feeling like when you're playing on a pc and how it super keeps up so the tracking it it is better as far as dead zones but the actual instantaneous responsiveness that you need in a fast fast game like beat saber i felt like still wasn't quite what i wanted it to be but there's very few games outside of beat saber that you're ever going to have that problem you're not usually swinging that fast in like a shooter or something but like for shooters, there's no tracking rings anymore, which means that when you go to reload and stuff or you reach up near your face, you're never hitting yourself or controllers anymore, which is very common, at least at first when people get a quest too, you kind of learn over time to not do it. But all of a sudden, yeah, you're I not still do it. About it. Yeah, I, I do it too. I smack I myself in the face and I'm like, oh, luckily the headset's there to take the hit. But when you've got like a three inch headset sticking out from your face and a three inch tracking ring sticking out from your controller, that's six inches of distance you got to keep mm. around. Yeah, I, I have like extra like padding on my controllers just to nice. make sure that that doesn't happen and break them because <laughs> I bang them together so often trying to reload mm. things. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the Quest Pro, you're almost never going to do it. You'd hit your fists together first. It's very hard to hit the controllers together because of their smaller profile and the way they work. The fact that they track the room around you instead of having to be tracked by the headset does seem very nice because you don't have to worry about can it see it? But people ask, oh, does that mean the Quest 2 is going to run better? Because it's not having to have that resource of noticing where they're at. I couldn't tell a difference. If it is, it's negligible. The Quest 2 still had drop frames in certain games, stuff like that. But one thing that people have pointed out that they really like is the games that do utilize it, which isn't all of them, 
there is two haptic motors in the Quest Pro controllers, one at the front and one at the back. So where the old ones, you hit something and just the whole controller would kind of vibrate. Now it can kind of simulate a hit because like the top one will vibrate just a millisecond, you know, before the bottom one. But that makes it feel like the top of a sword hit something and then you feel it hit in your hand instead. So there is that to be thought about with the haptics. And with price, these are, like I said, they're a lot of money. But if you were at a point where you had to replace your Quest 2 controllers anyways, it's not that huge of a leap like it seemed in the first place. But I think that's pretty much answered the question there, tracking all that stuff. So like, what else is something that you stood out? Nat, you haven't gotten to play them as much. Is there a question that you have still since I've been hogging it? <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> played it one time on the pro <laughs> the, the question sure. is when the question is when <laughs> <laughs> but i remember in your video about using the press i almost said press quo the quest pro controllers with the quest 2 that they can take a while like they mm -hmm. don't instantaneously start when you put the headset on it takes like a little bit for it to connect yeah. So if you played a Quest 2 a lot, you pop your headset on, you grab your controller, and the instant that controller moves into your hand, it snaps into place. You see it there. The problem with the Quest Pro, they have their own computers inside of them. They're doing their own tracking through the cameras. So when you pick them up, they have to wake up, look around the room, reset their tracking points, and then they snap into place. And sometimes that's about three seconds, and sometimes it goes all up to like 10 seconds. And that is a long time when you're sitting there waiting for your hand to show up in VR. Like you put it on and that's that's the one thing that I kept saying at $300 if you just spent 300 bucks and this is your first impression now every time you pick this thing up you're waiting 10 seconds to get your game started. That was 10 seconds. Yeah, that's a long time. If you're watching cuz I I guess I didn't say anything but I like <laughs> Put, put hands. your hands up That's and waited. It is a long time. And that would probably be the biggest problem people from the start would have. Of course, I like the fact that they charge through a dock and that they're always charged and ready. But let's say you forgot to put them on the charger last time and you're about to jump into a game with friends. You're you're done. You can't swap batteries. You can't even yeah. really hook a charger into it. Cause it's not like a USB-C in the bottom that you could deal with having hands. It's like a magnetic snap on charger. It's not a super strong charger. You literally would have to wait for these things to charge. Now you'd be, you'd be, you'd be effed. Uh, and of course, if you still had your quest two controls and they still kind of worked, you could go through the process of repairing those. But that's not an easy process and you can't keep them paired. I was hoping you could keep them paired and just grab whichever set you wanted to. Not an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely so there's some downsides. There is downsides and they are kind of deal breakery in my mind at 300 bucks. They 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 are something that I'm hoping maybe will be updated though. Because when this these first came out, you couldn't even pair them to the Quest 2. Maybe they'll hear that oh, well, we want them to pair along with our Quest controls. Maybe they'll let us do that eventually. But right now, it's a bit of a hard sell. So I'm curious, I've just thought about this. You do all these accessory reviews. Are there any kinds of accessories for those controllers yet? Because like, I, I feel like I can't play a VR controller that doesn't have some sort of knuckle grip these days. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to throw those controllers and they're going to go across the room and smash or something. Well, there's a couple <laughs> layers to that answer. First, I will say in comparison to the Quest 2 controllers, the Quest Pro controllers are much more grippy. They have more weight in your hand. They feel a lot more premium. So they really feel like you're not going to, they're not going to slip out of your hands as easily. Two, there are some accessories specifically for the Quest Pro, but so far no one has been able to get it right to where you can have an index style strap and set it on the charging dock. Pretty much every grip, you have to unroll it or take it off to charge them, huh. which is going to be pretty annoying when you're charging these every single time you use them. But Three, the other interesting thing is some of the Quest 2 accessories still work with them. Not any grips, but like gun stocks that they like slid down into or like a golf club that slid over the bottom and then tightened onto it. Anything that attached just solely to the bottom, the shape is still similar enough that those accessories are working. But if they relied on the tracking ring or if they relied on snapping over the top of the control where those cameras now are, those aren't going to work for you. Good to know. Yeah. Well, so I don't know if you know this, but uh, did you have you seen anything with the, if you turn the Guardian off, will these controllers still work or do they need to have that room drawn out for them to work properly? They they do all their own tracking. So whether it's the Guardian's there or not, they seem to track just fine. 
Okay. You don't have to map out furniture for them to work. They just find it just like your quest does. When you walk into a new room, it finds the room on its own. It doesn't care yeah. if it just wants your guardian there before you're allowed to use it to for safety. So they do all that. And there was some issues early on with the controllers. I found I was able to like get them to drift away from my hand and stay there. But with this last update, I've tried several times to get that to happen again. And I haven't been able to, although someone commented they're still having it happen. I didn't confirm that they have V47 installed and all of that, but I haven't been able to replicate that issue since the update. Admittedly, I had that issue with my Quest 2 controllers the other day when I was playing. It only happened once or twice, though. But I was it, like, no, hand, come back. Kind of takes you back to the PSVR days because that was terribly yeah. common mm-hmm. on the PSVR. <laughs> well, if, if there's yeah, more I'm... questions out there and you're wondering more about the Quest Pro controllers, come join the Discord and ask whatever you want. We'll answer them on a podcast in the future. I think we've actually caught up on our questions because there's usually quite a lot. Think we're actually caught up so ask a question now and it'll get answered on the next podcast and of course you can tell us what games you like and influence the future of the podcast influence what we play what we talk about on it and if you're here listening we love you we want to say thank you for being here with us but you can also come see our faces on youtube we have a fun time here and you can see nat counting down 10 seconds on the screen without saying anything you'll know what's happening But you can always take us on the go, of course, too. And that's where you can rate a review. That makes a huge difference for us. But Oh, I also wanted to say if you're on if you're watching this episode, you can see my What the Bat shirt that I stole from Jay. So (laughs) Yeah, What the Bat. A game I still haven't played, but they sent us a very weird box of accessories about the game. Had to cut out a little paper elephant myself and assemble it myself. It was quite a bit of work. Oh, I should have brought that over. I have that too because I made you give it to me. <laughs> See, I keep the I keep the headsets and she steals the accessories apparently. She's just got all the shirts. But that's because VR is so great. And so if you're thinking about VR, what's the time to do? Do I want in? Hey, thanks everybody. Bye.